sorry. I wanted to fix this. There you go. OCD kicking in. All right. Hey, grace, mercy, and God's peace to you, especially his peace to you today. Uh, hey, it won't be long now, just a couple of weeks away. Are you ready? Christmas is right around the corner. Um, now, whether you're a child or not, Christmas is uh, the most anticipated day of the year. It is a uh, special time. It's a time for, for giving, <clears throat> and it's a time for receiving. It's a time for unwrapping gifts, and that's what this series is all about, unwrapping the gifts that we really need, uh, gifts of hope, of love, of joy, and, and today's gift, uh, peace. And don't we need it? You know we do. We yearn for it. We long for it. And nothing conjures up the uh, nostalgic uh, images of peace like Christmas. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Ah. Or gliding across a snow-covered bridge in a horse-drawn sleigh on your way to grandmother's house. Ah. Or children nestled all snug in their beds, dreaming of sugar plums for some reason. Ah. It's a time to dream of things that are not. It's a time to wish for all that is wrong, to be set right. Christmas is a season of promise. And, and yet, down deep, we know better. There's, there's a gap between our expectations and reality. Uh, often enough, Christmas could be a time of frustration and worry and even sadness. It could be a time when hopes and dreams go unfulfilled. The uh, peaceful family dinner careens into a major blow-up. Or, or the gifts that you uh, thought they would love so much elicit only a yawn. You open the front door on Christmas morning to take a peek, but it's not there. No shiny new car. No big red bow. What happened? This season starts off so full of promise, and all too often it ends up in disappointment. The gap between all we were hoping for and that which we actually experience has led us to a quest. And the goal of this quest can be summed up in the greatest of all the wishes and dreams of the Christmas season, which is peace on earth. Peace among the nations. Peace among brothers and sisters. Peace within ourselves. But do you have it? Peace? Uh, well, we would like to think that we do. Kate Norris writes, we would all like to think of ourselves as uh, peaceful people. But on most mornings, our minds are a clutter of things to do and fears to keep at bay. And as Christians, we know we're supposed to, you know, be at peace in every situation. But really? Do we really feel that way in light of rising inflation? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> in light of... Uh, global strife, in light of uh, your child's binge drinking, in light of deadlines, 
in light of our most critical thoughts and actions. Norris continues, we don't have peace because we worry, and we worry because we're afraid. Uh, we're afraid that we'll be condemned, whether it's the standards at work or Instagram comparisons or our father's expectations or the ideal weight or the Ten Commandments. We're terrified of falling short of what we need. What we long for is peace. Is it possible? How do we get it? And, and can it last? Well, we're going to unwrap God's word this morning, and we're going to open up several selections along the way, but let's start with a little Old Testament. Here's what the, the prophet Micah foretold. He said, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely for his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. Ooh, did you get it? And he will be their peace. According to this text, peace is a person. And this person is going to come from Bethlehem. I've been there. Bethlehem. About 10 years ago, I was uh, taking a tour of the Holy Land with a group of pastors. Sounds like a fun time, right? Yeah. Most of the sites that we saw in the Holy Land, and, and they were awe-inspiring. And by the way, Messiah, we hope to take a trip either next year or the year after, so save your pennies. It's a great time. Many of the sites are awesome, but Bethlehem, i got to tell you, not so much. Not really. You talk about expectations not meeting reality, that's Bethlehem. It's very different from the song that we sing. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee. Lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by. Yeah, I didn't see any of that. <laughs> there are no silent stars. It was busy and it was loud and it was full of litter and graffiti and tourist traps. Uh, Fourteen-foot uh, barbed wire wall surrounds the city. You enter several police checkpoints where the people of Israel and Palestine are not at peace with each other. And as we walked uh, along the narrow streets of Bethlehem, I was kind of keeping a watch out for, you know, a, a holy moment. As something, you know, I was looking for something calm, something bright amidst the noise and all the mess and the clutter, you know, some little heartwarming experience that I could share with the people of Messiah and everyone would be touched and have a tear in their eye, that kind of a thing. That's what I was looking for. And then out of nowhere, this cute little boy with these big, dark brown eyes and a raggedy old soccer ball, he began to follow 
our small group of clergymen down a side street, and he was kind of bouncing his ball along, and, and so uh, I'm like, I approached this little ragamuffin. I could tell that this was going to be it. Uh, it was, you know, going to be more heartwarming than a Hallmark movie kind of a thing. There we stood, uh, kind of eyeing each other. We were only a few feet apart, and since we didn't speak each other's language, uh, you know, with my kindest expression, I kind of opened my arms out, you know, for a, for a game of catch, just like Field of Dreams, right? I was kind of thinking that uh, afterwards, you know, we'd sit on a porch step and maybe share a Coke or something, you know, and you know, friends, I got to tell you, that, that's, that's when it hit me. No, really. Bam! It hit me. <clears throat> My head snapped back. That cute little kid with the big old eyes purposely fired that soccer ball into my face. It was a direct hit. Blood gushing out of my nose, all over my clothes. And that little bugger was laughing at me. I couldn't believe it. I was so, oh, there's a word for it, but I'm going to say ticked. I grabbed that ball, and I was going to boot it way over the fence as far as I could send it, you know. But I didn't. I'm a pastor. There are too many witnesses. And so I just kind of tossed over his, you know, his head and made him fetch it. Now that's my uh, feel-good uh, Christmas memory of Bethlehem. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that. Anything but peaceful. And yet, that's why he came. That's why he came to Bethlehem. Because that's messed up. <laughs> this world's messed up. That kid is messed up. I'm messed up. You're messed up. We're not at peace, but we need peace, and we long for it. But here's the thing. We need to understand that true peace always comes to us as a gift. We can't make it happen. We, we can't generate it in ourselves. We can't fabricate it. You see, even if we could pull off the perfect Christmas, it wouldn't last. You roast all the chestnuts you want. Yeah, get that sweet new car with a big red bow and park in the driveway. Or better yet, park it in my driveway. But I'll tell you, it won't last. We need something better than that. We need something that's going to last. We need permanent peace, and that only comes from one source. We go to Bethlehem. That's what makes this season so dear. Uh, we go to Bethlehem. We just kind of take a peek in the manger. And, huh, there he is, the Savior of the world. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. He is Christ the Lord, little baby. Huh. Wrapped up in claws, born to save us from our sins. Didn't have to come. No reason. But he came. Because the gap between God and man and the distance between heaven's perfect expectations and our sinful reality is too great. 
So it came. The born to die, to lay down his life, only to take it up again. God has come to suffer, die for the sins of his creation. This is the reason he was born. This is the reason for Christmas. Christmas is for the cross. Christmas is for lasting, permanent peace. God has come in the flesh in order to close that gap. He had to become a man, a human. In order to remove our death sentence, God became human, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who couldn't keep the law so that we would enjoy peace with God that'll go on forever. Look, Isaiah says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which you know means God with us. He has come to change the world. He has come to live and to die and to rise again for every life that he created. Came wrapped in this baby's skin. But make no mistake, he came on a mission. There's a reason, a purpose. He came to live a sinless life because we never could. He was our substitute. He came as the living sacrifice for our sins. He was born to be beaten by the people who should have loved him. But God so loved you. God so loved me and God so loved the world that he sent his son to become flesh, to become our sin. I think the apostle Paul says the best Christmas message of all, and there it is. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. There it is. That's the wonderful exchange. It's the great switcheroo. He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even death on a, there it is, cross. The Son of God would eliminate the gap by becoming one of us. He took our punishment so that we would have lasting peace with God. Our sin had to be paid for, and so God would come and pay the price. He handed himself over. He took on our infirmities, our sickness. He carried our sorrows. He was stricken by the Father. He was afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace. Punishment, peace. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We need peace. We long for it. I'll look no further. You look at the manger. You have to look at the cross, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Christmas time is a time for peace, but it's also a time for punishment. 
I know. That don't sound right, does it? But it is. The manger doesn't mean much without the cross. It's just a nice little cute story about the cross. Peace doesn't last unless we connect it with punishment. I'll explain with an illustration I've used before. It's from John MacArthur. It's a, like I said, I've used it in the past, but this is the story I, I just kind of go to and, and love because it's, it's the one that I know best that kind of captures uh, how punishment and peace actually fit together. John MacArthur says, centuries ago, where it was known uh, far and wide that a certain tribal leader was the greatest of all the tribes. But, but this tribal leader was known not only for his strength, but also for his love and for his wisdom. There was nobody like him. In order to help his people live safely and peacefully, he carefully put in laws. When he put these laws in place, got in every aspect so life would go well for people. The leader enforced those laws strictly and had long ago acquired a reputation for uncompromising justice. Now, in spite of those laws, there were problems. One day, it came to the leader's attention that someone in the tribe was stealing. So he called all the people together. He said, you know, We have laws in place, and these laws are for your well-being. They are for your protection to help you live in safety and in peace. And with his eyes heavy with sadness and his, his, his love for them, he said, the stealing must stop. We all have what we need. And so the penalty for stealing has been increased from 10 to 20 lashes with the whip for the person who was caught stealing. But the thief continued to steal. The thief continued to ignore the laws and do what they wanted. And so the people, uh, excuse me, the, the leader called the people together again and he said, please hear me. He's pleading with them. This has to stop. It hurts all of us, and it makes everyone feel bad about everybody else. And so the penalty has been increased to 30 lashes. Yet the stealing continued. And so the leader gathered his people together once more. He said, please, I'm, now I'm begging you. For your sake, this has to stop. The pain that it's causing amongst us is, is too great. And so the penalty has been increased to 40 lashes from the whip. Now, the, the people knew of their leader's great love for them, but only those closest to him saw the, the single tear make its way slowly down his face as he dismissed the gathering. And one day, finally, a man came to say that the thief had been caught. The word spread. Everyone gathered to see who it was. 
A single gasp raced through the crowd as the thief emerged between two guards. And the tribal leader's face fell in shock and in grief because the thief was his very own mother. Old, frail. What's he going to do? What will he do? The people wondered aloud, a hushed murmur fanning out. Would he uphold the law? Or would the love for his mother win over it? The people waited, uh, talking quietly, collectively holding their breath. And finally, the leader spoke. He said, my beloved people. His voice broke. A little more than a whisper, he continued. It is for our safety and peace. There must be 40 lashes. The pain that this crime has caused is too great. And with his nod, the guards led his mother forward. One gently removed her robe and exposed a bony and crooked back. The appointed man stepped forward and began to unwind the whip. At that same moment, the leader stepped forward and removed his robe as well, exposing broad shoulders, seasoned and solid. And then, tenderly, he wrapped his arms around his dear mother, shielding her with his own body. And he whispered gently against her cheek as his tears blended with hers. And he nodded once more, and the whip came down again and again and again. A single moment, yet in love and justice, punishment and peace had found eternal harmony. Love and justice. Amazing story. And it's true. Punishment and peace. Remarkable. They're real. A manger and a cross and, and an empty tomb all so that we would have lasting peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to us. The Son of God became one of us, dwelt among us, did it all for us. Our place in heaven was more important to him than his place in heaven, and so he gave us his place by taking our place. Well, it won't be long now. Christmas is right around the corner, and we'll celebrate it officially. But really, we can celebrate it uh, any day, any time, because we have 
lasting peace with God. And as a way of reminder, we have a little gift for you today. This one's a very simple one and hopefully a meaningful one. Here's our box. Every week we're pulling out a new gift for you. And the gift uh, today is just this little pocket cross. Uh, you can, for your pocket, or there's a hole through it, you can run a string through it and hang it on your Christmas tree or your rearview mirror or around your neck for that matter. Um, but we hope that you'll be blessed with peace as you go through this season and really every season holding on to all of the joy and the, the love and the peace that we have in Christ. This little pocket cross comes from the Holy Land, carved from olive wood. And uh, just hold on to it and you think about punishment and, and peace. And it's very real. And now may the, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, Greg, thank you.